Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, Virgie here. I hope you're all hanging in there. I've been deep in quarantine landia and dealing with it the only way a type A Taurus knows how, by filling my time with ritual and work. Here is a short list. Creating elaborate tea time rituals, making chocolate chip banana bread, painting my toenails gold, stretching, meditating, dancing really hard in my bikini to Kate Bush, and listening to self-help audiobooks. Drumming on stuff, like literally just me drumming on the wall with my hands, has been weirdly helpful as an energy release. And then sometimes I have deep, heaving waves of tears when things begin to feel overwhelming. I hope Rebel Eaters Club has been able to offer some solace, and in that spirit, I wanted to play a live conversation I had in late February with someone I really respect, Caleb Luna, better known on Twitter as Chairbreaker. Caleb is an intellectual powerhouse finishing up their PhD at UC Berkeley, and I have a very big friend crush on them. We first met years ago when fat activism was still a small movement. Since then, I've read all of their writing on the intersection of race, gender, sex, and fatness, and it's amazing to witness how they hold it down for complexity and nuance, but with a lot of heart. Caleb and I started off by talking about their favorite snack, Mother's Circus Animal Cookies. They were one of my favorite treats as a kid, too, because not only were they animal-shaped, they were frosted and they were pink, and they had rainbow sprinkles. And even to this day, they are delicious. So I feel like I was talking to some people here beforehand about how these are such like a childhood memory. And 
I chose them specifically because I still love them and I still eat them um, because they're delicious. <laughs> Even more right now. <laughs> yes. um, and also, mm. I'm really stubborn. I'm a Taurus moon. Um, so I'm really into the principle of the thing. Yes, and so this is I'm like, a Taurus too. <laughs> oh my God, I was wondering. <laughs> yes, food and senses, all about it. Mm. Um, but I find that like, I mean, I grew up working class, right? And now I'm like doing this PhD thing at this like institution that has all this prestige and blah, blah, blah. And like everyone around me is so thin and so like concerned with it and so obsessed with it in these like ways that they don't even recognize or think is normal and even good. Mm. Um, right. And so like eating, continuing to eat the foods that I ate as a child is actually really important to me, um, as a way of like maintaining like my working class background and like honoring it and recognizing that that's like what brought me into my fat body in some ways. And especially as like these kinds of foods get really demonized in some ways as like unhealthy or sugary or processed and blah, blah, blah. And like, everybody is like, I don't know, where's like the fucking low cal vegan alternative to this. Right. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Um, It just feels important to me to continue (laughs) to eat them because, um, yeah, like I said, I'm stubborn, and it's the principle of the thing that these are delicious. Um, I just remember um, one of the first things uh, I was examining when I started looking at the public health stuff around, like, you know, the the campaigns and, and whatnot around uh, the quote-unquote obesity epidemic and, and specifically focused on children, and there really was this very to me, overt line of um, reasoning around the idea that essentially working class people make poor decisions across the board and eating is one of those things. And obviously I grew up working class as well. And I kind of think about how that relationship to these very class foods, right? Like they, they stay with us. Um, I kind of want to get into who you are. Sure. Um, I'm a Leo son. A Pisces rising and a Taurus moon. Um, like I said, I'm a PhD candidate. I'm a scholar. Um, I'm an activist. I'm a performer, a writer, um, artist. I obviously am a fat person. Um, and that has been like, in many ways, a defining experience for me, um, especially as like a super fat person. Um gender non-conforming, non-binary. Yeah, I mean, you're in a program for performance studies, correct? Correct. Yes, can you tell, for the people or people who have never heard of this, what is it? Um, so performance studies is an academic discipline that um, considers all sort of behavior as performance, that we're all performing roles at any given time. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually studying my dissertation this semester and I'm writing about performances of eating and not eating. Okay, wait, I need that. We need to keep going. Um, can you talk about the performance of, can you talk more about that? The performance of eating, not eating. Yeah. Um, like this performance of like, Oh, I can't eat that because I'm bad or that makes me bad. Right. Um, is a performance. Um, it's performing this like sort of good citizen, which is like an individual who, will produce a productive body towards the ends of the nation state. Um, and so I'm really, I'm really interested in the ways that fat phobia impacts in people too, right? Um, because I feel like with, with these conversations, sometimes, um, like, obviously fat people are impacted <laughs> um, most directly, but um, 
I worry that sometimes the way, the impacts on thin people gets lost as well. And so I, I want to put pressure on the ways that thin people are self-disciplining um, in ways to maintain a certain kind of body size um, that comes with the rewards, but also like comes with hardships. Also, thin people take up in some ways like fat aesthetics of eating um, in ways yeah. that are culturally valorized mm-hmm. um, and yeah. and obscured and it's like actually you really want to be fat (laughs) or you want to like perform the things that you think that Mm -hmm. fat people are doing all the time Mm -hmm. um but you're really scared too i mean i'm thinking what comes to mind is this image i remember once there was this i found a t-shirt and it called it was it said i love fatties on it and i was so excited and then i was like great can i buy one and then they sort of looked me up and now they're like well i mean you know we sort of uh and i was like well, what sizes do you have? And, and like the largest size they they had was extra large, and it was like a tiny extra large, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a baby tee. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you guys, you're, you need to get your branding, you need to get it together. Um, but you know, it just reminds me so much of, of what you're talking about. Um, okay, so your Instagram handle is Chairbreaker. I'm wondering if you can give us the origin story of this handle. Um, yeah. So before I came to grad school, I had an office job. Um, and there was one other fat person in my office. Um, and she, and we like kind of bonded a lot over being the only fat people in the office. Yeah, as you do. Right. Um, and she kept, I mean, she kept, there were two chairs that were broken that were in her office. Who knows how they, that happened. Um, but she was, like, really stressed about it. Like, understandably. But I was also, like, girl, fucking good for you. Um, I've broken so many chairs before. And it was just, like, this real, like, yeah, that's the thing that happens. Because it's framed as, like, um, something's wrong with our bodies because they break chairs. Rather yeah. than, like, these chairs are insufficient because they can't hold our bodies, right? Yes. Um, and so I was like, there's my new um, Instagram handle. Um, people will frequently, like, DM me showing me, like, pictures of chairs they broke. And I'm always oh. like, congratulations, another one down. You know? <laughs> We're going to break every chair until there's none left that can't hold us. Um, and that's really how we do this work. <laughs> yes. I mean, I just think about, like, yeah. So, like, you know, a smaller-bodied person sits in a chair and that breaks, and it's a, bro- it's a broken chair, mm-hmm. and a fat person sits in a chair and it breaks, and they broke the chair, right? Like, and, and I always tell people, right, like, people are like, well, how, like, how, how do you know fat phobia is, is bigotry and discrimination? I'm like, because two people can do the exact same thing and you can have very different experiences of how they do them, Mm -hmm. um, depending on their size. Right. And, and like, and what you think about them and what happens. Um, when I was thinking about you and human rights and fat justice, right. One of the things that has increasingly gone away from the conversation around body positivity, body justice, um, is the fact that we are fighting for human rights. This is not just a movement about the individual feeling good about themselves, um, though those things, though that's important, right? Um, but really, you know, when I think about the inception of uh, fat activism and, and fat justice, I think about the ways that, you know, rights were always a big part of it. And, and at the end of the day, right, like, Positivity is is very important, but it's not actually a political tool, 
Um, and in the sense that, right, like positivity is not a useful tool for people who are in survival mode. Mm -hmm. You cannot wield positivity and get anything from it, really, if you're like, if you're being denied human rights. So I'm kind of curious about, I mean, like just like, right, like I'm curious about your thoughts on maybe the ways in which human rights have gotten away from this conversation, your interest in them, things like that. Yeah, um, I think it it actually is for me about identifying as an anarchist and rejecting social hierarchies, right? And understanding that social hierarchies are hierarchies of race, they're hierarchies of gender and class, but they're Mm. also hierarchies of body size. Mm. Um, And that I can make the choice to not perpetuate them in my actions. Mm. But I think you're right that like it gets the conversation gets so distilled into like how we feel about ourselves. And, like, body image and self-love and all this shit. And, like, actually, the stakes are much higher. Um, yeah. I I get so frustrated by that conversation. <laughs> um, partially because thin people don't love themselves. But when thin people don't love themselves and they're still granted opportunities, like, admission to college. Yeah. Like, they get the job offer, right? Yeah. Like, those things, it, it isn't part of the conversation. And those are actually the stakes that, are, that we're talking about, right? Yeah. That, like fat phobia impacts our access to resources yeah. and our access to livelihood and survival and happiness through having resources yes. and having um, the resources to be happy. Yeah. I mean, I use like body positivity is like business lingo for me at this point because I monetize my work. And when, when I'm talking about it in reality for my own life with my friends or, you know, privately, or academically or any other thing, it's always fat activism. It's always fat liberation to me. Um, Because liberation is an actual political demand. I mean, it's complicated because there's different paths to it. But um, but there have been many movements throughout history that have fought for liberation. And there are like mechanisms that you can do to like, that are tried and true to get rights, to get those kinds of things like access to medical care. And also like highlights that fat people are not the only people impacted right that like thin people need like don't feel good about themselves either and that like sometimes people are just naturally thin and like that's fine um and like you can also feel okay about yourself um but yeah it's very much like use that as a link as like the sort of trojan horse to then be like and actually this is what body positive is body positivity is to me which is like the liberation of all people (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I have tons more questions here. I've got all my little all my little notes here. Yeah. Okay, one of the first pieces of yours I ever read was an article titled On Being Fat, Brown, Femme, Ugly, and Unlovable. And I really loved how you went there in discussing ugliness. Um, I remember thinking there's there's power here, right? There's power in this in this idea, right? That like and for me as someone who grew up feeling super ugly, right? And being taught that I was ugly because I was fat and those things were the same thing. And so for me, one of the most powerful things that ever happened was when I started to actually have sex. 
And I was like, wait, this is actually not hard. I don't understand. And I was like, you know, I was being told I was never going to get that. I was never going to have sex. I was never going to have love. I was never going to have a relationship. Um, and then I found that, you know, at least casual sex was actually quite easy to acquire. And I kept sort of going through the math. I was like, okay, wait. So like, we've got this person. I've had sex with them. That happened, I'm sure. And then that person, definitely real also. But like what it meant to occupy the space of being sexually desirable and also ugly and I'm kind of talking and I'm, I'm curious you know do you still identify with that piece do you still identify with all of those words that essay went it's so I have such a complicated relationship to it because I wrote it when I was really sad at like three in the morning and like unrequitedly in love with somebody um and never expected anyone to read it and then like I remember waking up at like two in the afternoon the day it was published and like it had like all my friends were sharing it yes, and like it went everywhere it. and I was yes. like oh fuck um, <laughs> and as part of it's like virality like I got a lot of like messages affirming that I wasn't ugly which also I don't actually remember if I like talk about in that essay that like I don't actually think I'm ugly mm. I think I'm very attractive but mm. the world responds to me as if I'm ugly just mm. because I'm fat so there were, I got all these affirmations that I wasn't ugly and that I just needed to love myself. And I was like, once again, I see thin people who hate themselves all the time and they still get asked out on dates. Um, so like, this is not the issue. However, I think one thing that I would have, that I've learned since that essay is that yes, sex is easy. Um, and that just because somebody's, gonna have sex with me doesn't mean they're gonna respect me yeah and that is like the thing that i feel like more fat people need to like yeah i don't know hear or like understand or like a process that we all go through is that like oh this is easy it doesn't necessarily feel good they're ne not necessarily like mm -hmm. treating me um well and like I, I had this one experience with this boy who was like very attracted to me and then like told me when we were cuddling that he could never be with me because he didn't know what his family would say right um and i was like i'm literally just here for the sex um <laughs> like, you don't need to like overshare with me but um you know people are so many more people are attracted to us than they want to admit um, but it doesn't mean that they're going to like be nice to us. It doesn't mean that they're going to like love us and especially not the way that we need to be loved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I relate to what you're talking about where it's like we're in the midst of this really intimate thing and there's clearly this desire and it's reciprocal, but then there's this public facing component. The public component is a significant part of how we understand relationships, how we understand love and intimacy and all that. That's a big part of relating. That's a big part of dating. That's a big part of relationships, right? Romance. Um, one of the pieces um, that you wrote was about Grindr. Um, and you said that it took you until the age of 29 to realize that you could be genuinely desirable and not just someone that someone settled for. And I kind of want to hear that story of that realization. I would love it to tell that story. Um, <laughs> so it was actually right after I moved to the Bay. Um, I moved here on a Tuesday and like within an hour, 
this dude was like hitting me up and was like, when can we meet? And I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> my friend's here, so we're going to have to wait a couple of days. So my friend who drove across the country with me, um, I feel like they left Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon we hooked up. Um, and I was very attracted to him. And I was, and he was like very attracted to me. And, I, and that was the moment when I was like, I was, I didn't understand that like, I was sexy and that people could think I was sexy because Mm -hmm. up until that moment, I was only having sex with people that weren't really engaging with my body. And so when I met this person that I was really attracted to, um, that was really into my body, that we had good sex, I was like, oh, like, I'm not a consolation prize, which I think until that moment, I had always felt like, Mm. partially because that's kind of how people treated me. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that also. I mean, just thinking there's only two kinds of people, right? Um, For me, it was people who don't like me and some kind of man saint um, who will just, out of the magnanimity and wonderfulness of his spirit, would tolerate my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember thinking, right, like, I have to be on point. I have to be smart. I have to be funny. I have to be fashionable. I have to have great glasses. Um, And, right, like, and then maybe he'll be able to overlook look this this like glaring problem with my body and then kind of finding that I could actually experience and then demand something much better right and just kind of like the first time somebody was like can I watch you shower please and I was like oh my god right what a special day today is (laughs) and (laughs) and just you know and I don't know like there's just something so powerful about that Before we wrapped up our conversation, we took a question from a super cute fat babe in the audience. She runs an Instagram account called Curvy Streets, documenting fat fashion in the Bay Area. She brought up how it's on trend for brands to make plus size clothes and you can order them online, but when you go into the stores, the plus sizes aren't on the rack. I was really struck by one thing she said that she feels like these companies are treating her and other fat people like their secret girlfriend. They want our money, but they're not sure about committing. Yeah. Well, and I think like the duality of fashion, how it's both, for me, it's both self-care and it's also armor, which I see as not as antithetical to self-care in a lot of ways. Um, And so it's difficult, you know, and I think for me, I have a different persona when I don't look cute and I'm not like showered. I like I turn into this like very inwardly facing, very sort of like defensive, very um, person. And I, and I, I really, I watch, I literally see the shower as like part of the arming to go out into a world that hates my body. Mm-hmm. I had this experience like a couple of weeks ago where I went to fucking Torrid, the oh. fat girl store, and they did not have my size in store. And I was like, what does it mean to be too fat for the fat store? Mm. Um, and so I'm just especially like, bitter about that right now um but yeah it's absolutely this thing where they want us to wear their clothes but they don't want us in the store because we are somehow tainting their brand and tainting their image they don't want us to be associated um and then you know i feel fucking trapped because i like looking cute um and like we have thank you um (laughs) again who knows if this is because i'm a leo son 
but like my self-esteem is so tied to like how cute I feel and how cute I look. And like, I can't do that without access to the clothes. Um, and so it's just, and so then we're like forced to, um, I mean, I still had to fucking buy torrid pants because that was like the only place I know that can like carries my size. Um, so yeah, it's garbage. Um, and I hate them. <laughs> Check out Kayla Luna on Instagram at chairbreaker. That's one word. C-H-A-I-R-B-R-E-A-K-E-R. Um, Caleb, thank you so much for being here and being amazing and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Next week, I'll be back to answer a few of your questions. How do you get to the point of loving yourself at any size? That sounds wonderful, but how do you get there? If you'd like to send one along, leave a voicemail at 862-231-5386. That number is 862-231-5386. You can also email us at rebeleatersclub at gmail.com. Rebel Eaters Club is an original podcast from Transmitter Media, the podcast company that's like adding fresh herbs from your window garden to your pasta primavera. I'm Virgie Tovar. The show is produced by Lacey Roberts and Jordan Bailey. Our editor is Sarah Nix. Greta Cohn is our executive producer. Like what you hear on the show and want to sponsor us? Send us a note at rebeleatersclub at gmail.com and let us know. And if you love the show, share it with your friends and head to your favorite podcast app and give us a review. It will help us grow the club. See you next week. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.